You're listening to Seattle Real Estate Podcast. So more and more issues continue to kind of raise their ugly heads as we deal with the city who's short on police. I know we talk about this a ton here in the Seattle Real Estate Podcast, but public safety, that is kind of a big deal. And it's, you know, we've got a mayoral race here, a race for who's the next mayor of Seattle. And one of the huge issues is public safety, homelessness, crime. It's what we're doing. Today, we've got an angle, we've got an art gallery, which is a small business. They're operating in the historic area of Seattle that's really well known. It's called Pioneer Square. It's a cool area, but it's gotten a little tough. We've had businesses moving out of there. We've had startups moving out of there. I've done podcasts on that. We've got yet another example of not enough police, how businesses are handling it. And just it's just not a good scenario. Downtown Seattle is a tough place for businesses to operate right now. And we're going to find out why. So stick with me. Before we get any further, if you're new here, welcome. My name is Sean Reynolds. I own a couple of real estate companies. And I read news that hopefully you want to hear. Let's do this. This is Seattle Seattle Times article. uh, And it is more fallout from how we're defunding Seattle police backward, this time in Pioneer Square. Kind of an awkward title, but you'll get you'll get where I'm coming from here. All right. So uh, Laura Zek owns an art gallery, which is not normally a high risk enterprise when it comes to worker safety. Yeah, art gallery, paintings on the wall. It's a business I've never really understood. I just don't get the whole art thing, but I respect it. I mean, it's like, Somebody paints something and it's worth thousands of dollars, something from nothing. To me, it's like, well, I cannot paint. I have no artistic skill in that regard. So I respect that. But art galleries, it, art galleries just seem like a, man, it's so relative, isn't it? Is that good art? I don't know. But it's art. Is it going to sell? Not really sure. But she finds herself, the art gallery owner, with zero employees who are willing to even come in to work. That's not good. Can you come in today? No, hell no. Is your business still at this address? No, not coming in. Why would that be downtown Seattle? I mean, come on now. I mean, they decided it's not worth it anymore. The owner said the other day, at this point, I have no staff who will come down there. Mm, That's not good. Catherine Anderson owns a restaurant nearby. We are on the brink of having to lock our doors because our staff can no longer take being on the front lines of mental health and harassment patrol. That's why I wanted to read this article for that sentence right there. We're on the brink of having to lock our doors because our staff can no longer take being on the front lines of mental health and harassment patrol. She said, Jonathan Fleming says he feels at times he's working in the wild, wild west. I always wanted to work in the wild, wild west, but not for these reasons. I mean, just to see what an environment like the wild, wild west was back in the day in, it's probably really hard. I'd probably spend five minutes in there and go, take me back to my computer, take me back to my microphone, let me talk into a mic and um, just do that. Ah, this other hard stuff, that, that's, that's whew, too hard. I don't even call the police anymore. There's no point, he says. This is Jonathan Fleming. I'm at the stage where I'm just trying to do security for every incident personally by myself. 
That's not where you want to be, right? That's the reason we pay taxes to have a little help from Seattle Police Department, but they don't have enough numbers to cover the streets. And so owners of businesses like this, they're taking their security and doing it themselves. Mm, no, thank you. Hard pass. Running a small business is hard enough as it is without having to be your own, you know, security personnel for your business. These three, these three people we just all talked about, they all run businesses in Pioneer Square. One owns Zinc Contemporary Art Gallery, Anderson owns the London Plain Cafe, and Fleming runs Pioneer Square D&E, which stands for Drink and Eats. This past week, they joined to plead with Seattle officials to help them manage a street scene they say is overwhelming the neighborhood. And we all hear about this and y'all hear, okay, there's crime and people are like, well, it's a big city. And you know what? Big cities have big city problems and you just, you're going to have to accept people running around shooting and stabbing each other. Well, it's gotten really bad. I mean, it's gotten really bad. If, if you read the news at all, in a town like Seattle, or maybe a town like Portland, or I don't know, Atlanta or Chicago, New York City, LA, hmm, what's the common thread here? Oh, I don't, I, I'm not really sure, but I'm, I'm, I'm sure you, the, the viewers and, and listeners, you'll come up with one there, right? So the three wrote, the three of these people, they wrote to two citywide elected council members. Good luck with that. I know that's what you're thinking. I just said it out loud. So they wrote to three council members, Teresa Mosqueda and M. Lorena Gonzalez, as well as their district council member, Andrew Lewis. They copied Mayor Jenny Durkin, the Parks Department, and a slew of Seattle police officials from an assistant chief on down. Where do you think they got with that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, but they've got to get it on the record. So when the lawsuits happen later, they'll have written record of what has transcribed in the past, right? I mean, isn't this, I mean, you hate to say it, but oh, this is horrible. They described how there are multiple incidences each day when people who appear to be suffering from mental illness or drug addiction bash on their windows, harass customers, smash things, or in the worst cases, physically threaten and assault the staff. That's where I would be hard line in the sand. And you just can't run, you can't operate a business under those circumstances. You just can't. It's a hard no go for me. If one of my employees was in a position where their physical safety was in jeopardy, uh, no, thank you. I'd be looking elsewhere. But you know, some of these companies have been there a long, long time, and their business model is based on a location. You can't necessarily just up and move. That's one of those things about, you know, external obsolescence in real estate. I was just talking to one of my brokers about that, where you've got a home in a bad location, there's not much you can do about it because you can't move the home. It's stuck there, right? I mean, that's one of the things about real estate is that there is one address for any property. And that's it. There's one legal description. That's it. There aren't two identical properties anywhere, because the footprints would be slightly different, which would be their sites. So you can't move these things around. It's just a no go. You're stuck with what you've got. Pioneer Square, it's stuff. It's stuck right now with uh, some real, real violent Looney Tune folks. 
And we're seeing stabbings and shootings on the regular. So we're at a complete loss as to how to handle the relentless aggression that plays out at our business. They don't know what to do. Get out? I don't know. But again, easier said than done, right? Said Zek, when we call the police, they say we choose not to respond. Anderson recounted calling police four times in one afternoon to no avail. She added in her plea to city leaders, we know the police are understaffed. All right, that's number one. And we know they aren't necessarily the solution to these problems anyway. Okay. But number three, why I'm ready for some real solutions. What are you going to do? So we know, we know there aren't enough cops to go around. I mean, we just know that. We've talked about that here a million times. Not a million, that's an exaggeration. But I mean, all right, the FBI has a certain allotted number per population that you need to have available for calls at any given point in time. Seattle's under that, Portland's under that. And with just all the scenarios of things that have gone on, you're not going to get any big numbers of police coming. And when you have a vaccine mandate, and you're possibly looking down the barrel of losing another couple hundred police officers, that's what the rumor is here in Seattle. Those are not good things. Let's see, we've got a bad crime situation already. Can we afford to lose another couple hundred police officers? Probably not, right? I mean, doesn't take a rocket scientist or even a real estate guy to figure that out. You know what I mean? I mean, this is, this is pretty basic stuff. So you don't have enough cops on the ground, businesses are calling in, and they understand that a police officer isn't necessarily the best person to handle somebody having a psychotic breakdown, just a just a mental meltdown. I, I loved what somebody uh, police officer, and you know who you are, said, get ready for more uh, people, drug addicts or whatever, uh, screaming at the trees. I think that's the best description. They're scree- They're sit- sitting in a park screaming at the trees. That makes that's such a descriptive thing to me because it's like you see these people and you feel terrible for them because their mind is not where it needs to be. They can't make rational decisions. And sometimes crime comes into play. And a lot of times you'll see these people. I mean, they, it doesn't end up well. That's the bottom line. You have a confrontation with police and you've got an armed person with a mental breakdown. It, that doesn't go in the right direction. And that's not where you want to see your fellow human being. But this is happening on the regular and it's impacting small business. Put aside the whole small business thing, right? Do you want to have your fellow human being running around on the street, living in a tent, not on their meds, not able to get the help they need? I mean, that's literally the scenario. So these business owners, they know that, you know, the police aren't the best people to be handling these mental situations. But who else are you going to call? Who else are you going to get to go out there that's probably skilled enough to not get killed themselves or get maimed or, you know, whatever it is in dealing with some of these people that are suffering from mental breakdowns or, you know, they're just, they're having an episode or this is just how they are. Since we no longer really put these people in mental institutions, right? We just don't. We just got them living on the street. And it doesn't seem like there's any end in sight. So these business owners, they are ready for some real solutions. And until we get some kind of real solutions, City of Seattle does, you're just, as a business, you're just going to have to deal with this. 
because the police, they don't have the manpower. I mean, they're off, you know, trying to solve all the not solve, but just deal with the other crazy stuff going on in a big city like Seattle that, you know, has gone down a uh, pathway that isn't real positive. Let, let's say that let's just let's just go there. Added Fleming, there's a ton of pessimism down here right now. And we've known that since pre pre pandemic. It's just a tough area. And it's a historic area. And it's got a lot of history. And it's a cool area. I spent down time down there when I was, you know, much, much younger. Wouldn't go down there now to hang out, especially not at night, because, um, you know, you read the news stories and you go, Ooh, Pioneer Square. Mm, yep, hard pass. Probably not going to go there. Pioneer Square, Seattle's oldest neighborhood, has never been the city's safest. That's a, that is an understatement. It's never been the city's safest or cleanest looking. No. But these three folks who've been living or working down there for decades say a delicate balance has been jarred loose recently. That was another reason I wanted to read this. I thought that was really descriptive. We've got something going on. We've got circumstances going on that are creating just basically greater, greater crime and conflict in these areas. It's happening and it's happening more often. And what are the solutions? That's what I think a lot of people are like, obviously, they're, they're kind of going, what do we do here? Can't really call 911. What's our backup plan? What's our plan B, Brad Pitt's production company? I always thought that was funny. Plan B, not plan A, not plan C, plan B. Second choice. What's our second choice here? Don't really know. Don't really have one. Don't really have one in sight. Need some different leadership, I believe, in order to come up with some different game plans with real solutions. That's what business owners are demanding. So Fleming said he now regularly has to roust people who wander into his restaurant while it's open and start rifling through employee workstations. Hey, can I just put my purse here? No, unless you want to get it ripped off. No. See that big, enormous safe over there? Put all your stuff in that. And only I know the combination. You know, I, I don't know. What do you do when you've got literally homeless people coming in off the street, rifling through employee workstations? That is not a safe work environment. But it's Pioneer Square. And that's what they're dealing with right now. You didn't get that sort of brazen aggressiveness as much before, he said. And that's that's kind of what I understand I've never operated a business in any of these areas, but I've spent some time there just kind of wandering around and, you know, maybe going to a bar when I was over 21, but not yet 30, something like that. Um, but they, they were rough, kind of grimy areas, but now there's, there's, they've been elevated up a notch for sure. And that's where I think a lot of folks don't really want to admit, hey, we've turned a corner here. We got some stuff going on. So Como is going to do, Como is going to have a, a town hall meeting. They're going to have a police chief um, and a handful of other people and that are going to talk about. And it's, um, oh, what was the title of it? Crime in Seattle. It, was, it, had, it, it was a play on sleepless in Seattle. Um, lawlessness in Seattle or something like that. That's going to be a town hall here pretty soon. Lawlessness in Seattle. That right there, I think that's it. That kind of says it all. And you're like, 
ah, yeah, all right, that whole, you know, the Tom Hanks, Meg Ryan, Sleepless in Seattle, ho, ho, ho. And then you're like, oh, lawlessness, mm, that's not good. That's not, that's not the association you want for Seattle because – when the whole Tom Hanks thing came out, everybody was like, oh, Seattle, it's so quaint. You've got a houseboat. Oh, people, they're just great there. And now you've got lawlessness in Seattle. Hmm. Yeah, we elevated up a notch there, didn't we? Hmm. What happened? Well, I think you might want to start at the top and look at some of the political leadership and look at some decisions that have been made. I don't know. That's just my thought. Zach said that she's now looking to move. She's the art gallery owner. It ought to set off alarms at City Hall that an art gallery may ditch Pioneer Square, one of the original art districts with the first art walk in the nation. Mm. Okay. We just don't care. We, we don't care. Ah, yeah, you got some shootings. You got some, you know, homeless folks that have some mental issues walking through your art gallery. Ah, you, you know, it's downtown. You're just going to have to deal with that. That is literally the response. That's the response. Hmm. That sucks. That sucks. One of the original art districts. Hmm. Probably not much longer at this rate, right? Hey, you want to come down to the, my art art gallery? Where is it? Oh, yeah, I don't think so. No, siree. I'm going to go over to one of those suburbs. What's that called? Bellevue? Yes. There's, there is some kind of ridiculous thing with the Seattle Art Museum where they have been keeping the grounds of the Seattle Art Museum, which is referred to as SAM, clean of tents and basically keeping the grounds clean, if you know what I mean. There's a big push for the Seattle Art Museum, a big uh, trying to not defund the Seattle Art, Art Museum, but basically boycott SAM because of their handling of the homelessness issue, which is basically just keeping it away from their grounds. Now they're in an area where there's a lot of tents and people want them to just accept the tents, accept everything that's just going on, accept the homelessness, accept the crime, accept feces and urine on the sidewalk, accept garbage everywhere. We're going to, we're going to boycott you unless you just, you know, you take what's yours, which is a lifestyle in Seattle that other cities, they don't tolerate. It just, it's not there. They handle it. Seattle, we just kind of let it go. Ah, it's okay. You know, what, 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 what harm could there be? What I suspect is going on here is yet more fallout from the backward drive to reimagine or defund the police. All right. Um... This is this is kind of this is kind of getting so we've given the examples of where we're at agreed all right is this a direct result of defunding the police well the the way i see it is it it certainly didn't help defunding the police lowering the number of police officers lowering the desire for people to want to be police officers in the city of seattle that certainly hasn't helped. Making it difficult to recruit officers in the city of Seattle, having the police chief quit, just, hey, screw you guys, I'm out of here. I'm going to go into the private sector. They're going to pay me probably more, less danger, and I'm not going to have these lunatics saying defund the police. So there's that, right? So is it more fallout from the backward drive to reimagine or defund the police? 
I don't know if you can categorically say this is a direct result. I think a lot of it has to do with just how as Seattle has evolved, and especially during the pandemic, we've just kind of let everything go. We're just okay with drugs on the sidewalk, drugs, stolen goods everywhere. Just, you know, if it's a petty crime, and I mean by that all kinds of crime up and to including felony that we used to consider. Well, we, you know, we've We've rewritten the books on those and those aren't crimes anymore. Those are misdemeanors. So kind of like a parking ticket or, you know, traffic ticket, more along the lines of that. But and when and, and Seattle is just, this is just where we've gone. We're okay with it. We have voted in leaders who are okay with this. That's the bottom line. So you get what you pay for. This is what you get. And the author of this story, Danny Westneat, says, I've written about this before, how the city and now the state legislature are trying to get armed police officers out of the business of going to every distress call related to mental illness and drugs. It's a sound goal. It'd probably be better in many of these situations to have mental health care counselors coming to the scene than cops. I, I totally agree that it probably would be. I think you need to have cops and mental health professionals in tandem, which oftentimes you do. But we don't have enough cops to spread around to do that right now. We don't have enough policemen and police women to do that. So here's where we are. And if you don't have police going out, you're certainly not going to have the social workers going out. I certainly hope they're not going out on their own. But that is literally what some areas and what some cities have gone to, I, you know, we're going to defund the police and we're just going to have the unarmed uh, social worker go out and what could go wrong there? I can think of a lot of things. But the problem is the city and the state haven't yet stood up any replacement for the replace for the police, let alone judge to judged it to see if that replacement works. And I, I've talked to, I totally agree with that. I've talked about this a lot. If you wanted to fund the police and if you have an alternative to put in place of the police that is known to work, I'll take a look at it. You bet. I mean, if, if this is the road you want to go down, let's take a look at the data. Let's take a look at the actual data. All right. You get rid of the police. You bring in whatever it is, which doesn't exist, by the way. Doesn't exist. So let's bring in this phantom being, uh, this entity that's going to replace the police, which doesn't exist. And let's analyze that. And if you have some data there, okay, let's take a run at it. Let's run the police and whatever this other entity is in tandem for a while. Oh, we'll just compare results here. Okay. We don't have that. Uh, so you got to kind of stay with what you got until you get that in place. And then maybe you can make that transition. Until then, this whole defunding the police thing, it's kind of like, all right, I, I see where you're coming from. However, the solutions you're providing, those aren't solutions because you don't have one. You're not. And, and saying to take the money and put it into community services, all right, I think you have to have money into community services in tandem with enough police officers to keep things, keep things civil. And right now, City of Seattle doesn't have that, doesn't have that level of protection. The local news website Crosscut reported what this is wrought on the ground. This is what's, this is a result of this. There was a 45% drop in the number of police interventions in mental health calls this August 
Compared to previous monthly averages, the drop is apparently due to a tug of war between police and lawmakers over a new state law restricting when police can use force, passed in the wake of the defund the police movement. So police officers, if there's any question about how how something could be handled or their use of force, they're going to default to whatever gives them the greatest uh the least amount of liability. Because you don't want to be that one cop, all right, I'm going to put him in this hold or whatever, I'm going to engage in this behavior, which, you know, we're going to find out in court with our first couple of cases here. Do you want to be that police officer on the ground making split second decisions and having to see those decisions literally run in court time and time and time again on the big screen? It doesn't really work like that, but sometimes it does. I mean, you've got the, you know, it's just crazy, right? It's just crazy. Kind of what we've come to just micromanaging the police. And so now the police are, and taking away the tools that they need to do their job. And so there's some real confusion over what you know, the new policy as far as what the police can and can't do. So they're just going to say, yeah, you know what? Uh, mental health call, probably not going to deal with that. Because what are they going to do? You know, crazy people, they don't really rationally think the way the rest of us do. So what can police do? That's a tough call. So then the business owners, they take the brunt of this because they're dealing with, you know, nut jobs running around all the time. That's just the harsh reality. But meanwhile, a new triage one crisis team proposed to replace the cops in many of these types of situations. It won't be running until next year. The city council approved 700,000 for a pilot program on Monday. All right. uh, Okay. We'll just have to, we'll just have to, you know, wait on judgment and see how this goes. But given everything else that has gone on, I don't place a lot of faith in it. You don't wind down crisis interventions and then later start your crisis intervention pilot program. Hmm, that's true. That's, that is rational thinking right there. I don't know. Is this really in the Seattle? Yes, this is in the Seattle Times. So <laughs> no, this, this makes absolute sense, right? If you're going to wind down something, you got to have something else, Johnny on the spot, because it's not like we're dealing with something that you can just kind of put to the side and think about it and reimagine it later. Public safety is an ongoing deal. So this practically guarantees that in the meantime, there will be more souls in the grips of episodes out there, not getting any help and more friction on the streets. Yeah. And businesses having to deal with it and people rifling through the employee workstation. I mean, that's just nutty. These people, a lot of these folks are on drugs. They need to get their next fix. They're going to go try and steal something so they can sell it, get that next fix. In some cases, people are left to deteriorate to the point where they can cause harm to themselves or others, one crisis responder told the Seattle Times. In a note to the London plane owner, Anderson, one of the businesses here, Durkin's office acknowledged this mismatch in timing. While of little immediate comfort, We expect the first of these triage teams to be operational by January 2022, it says. I didn't know what to tell these Pioneer Pioneer Square business owners. There's hope. It might get better next year. It might not. Hang in there. 
These business owners got to make some judgment calls, don't they? All right. Do I want to put my employees in jeopardy for sure between now, mid-September and January? And then even in January, how's that going to work? Is, is this is this program really going to be up and operational to the point where you're going to be able to call somebody they're going to come out and just take care of it? Um, phew, I do not hold out a lot of hope for that. But, uh, you know, we got to be reasonable. This is a reasonable podcast. Let's give it a whirl. Let's give it a look-see. Let's give them some time to reimagine and rethink how that might actually work in the real world. Left unsaid, for now, here, here this is the close down of this article. Left unsaid, for now, it looks like you're basically on your own. What a helpless feeling. Every day, you're going to be dealing with people not in their, literally not in their right mind. They've got something going on. They're not in the right mind. They're making decisions based on whatever is driving them. Not good. Not good for the businesses. Not good for these people. Not good for the people involved in dealing with them. I mean, the communities. Just, it, it's horrible. And yet, you know, like this article says, you're basically on your own. So unless you're willing to move out, you're going to have to deal with it. Provide your own security. That's crazy. It seems like that's what taxes are for. I don't know. <sighs> Maybe that's something that I need to reimagine and rethink. I don't think so. But you know, let's be reasonable. This is nuts, right? I mean, this is just like, oh, uh, how did we get here? How did we get here? Well, I think you look at the top and see who's leading all this stuff. And that'll give you a pretty good indicator. Hmm. Yeah, maybe it's time for some changes to happen. We'll see. In the meantime, I'm going to bring you these new stories right here on the Seattle Real Estate Podcast. How's that for a more happy outro? Thanks again for being here. Thanks again for being part of the Seattle Real Estate Podcast. I will catch up with you in the next one. Until then, stay safe. Yes, even if you're in a safe city, unlike Seattle, stay safe and we'll talk soon. Bye for now. to subscribe to our channel and hit the notification bell so you'll know when our next video is out.